All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. The head coach of Swarthmore Baseball, Coach Midkiff, will be joining us on today's episode. So, Henry, let's hit the intro music and we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan, joined alongside Henry, as always. And Henry, how about you introduce our guest for today's episode? Yeah, we have a super special guest for you guys, the head coach of Swarthmore College Baseball, Matt Midkiff. How are we doing, coach? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. And I think the two sort of big topics that we wanted to cover with you coach that we sort of do with a lot of these different interviews is first touch upon your journey itself and sort of how you got to your baseball career your journey and sort of what your career has been like and then obviously towards the second half we'll get into the actual sort of where you are right now and what that whole process is like so I think to start us off for people who don't know who you are obviously Henry has already revealed that you're the head coach at Swarthmore but sort of what was that journey like before that point and how did you end up in that position? Uh, yeah, so uh, the the long journey, uh, short story, I'll, I'll I'll try to give you here. So, uh, from a, originally from Tampa, Florida, just outside of Tampa, uh, played high school there. Uh, committed to uh, play at the University of South Florida. Uh, was there for two years. Transferred to Moorhead State University, uh, where I was injured and uh, and got a medical red shirt, and then I ended up. Uh, at a D3 school, Wilkes University in Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, being from Florida, there are no Division three schools in Florida, so I didn't even know it existed uh, until I ended up, uh, you know, having the, the transfer situation uh, happen. So I ended up at Wilkes, had a great time there, uh, met a lot of really, uh, really cool uh, people and coaches and some people that uh, took interest in my um, desire to be to be a coach. And was able to get a grad assistantship there uh, where I was able to get my master's degree. Uh, and then I went on the search uh, to try to find a job, which, you know, if if anybody's going into coaching, you think like, I'll, I'll apply for a job and I'll probably get it, right? Like that's going to happen. Uh, I think I applied for somewhere around 30 jobs. I got one response uh, and that was a, a junior college in Texas. And that's where I started my coaching career. Uh, was there for a year and then uh, got the assistant job at Swarthmore, Swarthmore for two years as an assistant. Uh, and then I got a head job at Eastern University, which is a small division three school uh, right near Villanova uh, here in Pennsylvania. Uh, was there for uh, four years as the head coach and then back to Swarthmore as the head coach. I believe it's uh, year 12 now. So uh, been been around quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I still feel young, but I, I know that's not necessarily the case. So, um, but yeah, good. It's a, it is a long journey and, uh, any, any baseball coach or player will probably have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of tickets punched on their, on their, uh, on their passport. You know, you get, you get around quite a bit to, to make this happen. Yeah. So one thing that I was super interested in with what you said was talking about, just the process so what what goes into actually applying for a 
for a coaching job? Is it the same as any other job you just put in your resume or is it more of a, more of a unique process because of the unique circumstances that comes about with coaching a baseball team? That's a, that's a really good question. And something that I had no idea about when, uh, when I was applying because nobody that, you know, you go and you find people that help you with the resume process. Nobody knew what you put on a coach's resume. Um, and I hadn't coached really. So like, what do you, what do you put on there? Um, and I actually did have a, a regular job resume and a coaching resume. Um, and I think the big thing would, was just to highlight any sort of playing um, coaching leadership type experience that you would have. Uh, and the big thing in coaching with, I guess, same as a lot of industries, but uh, it's who, you know, and how, you know, what contacts do you have and people that can sort of vouch for your, um, you know, your skill set or your work ethic or things of that nature. So um, what's crazy about, about baseball and I guess athletics in general is people will do it for very little or no money. And uh, that is, that seems to be changing and hopefully it, it continues to change. But I guess a lot of us, you know, my age and, and older, uh, you know, you kind of took whatever you could get and uh, to put something on that resume so that the next job was something that could happen. Um, and then, meeting people at events and other coaches. Uh, that's kind of how you, you sort of connect the dots and end up, you know, getting a job uh, with insurance, which is ultimately the goal. <laughs> and then as you sort of just mentioned that you had this sort of baseball resume and then we'll call it the regular resume. How did you know sort of once you graduated, you were done playing, did you know like, yeah, I wanted to get into coaching or yeah, I want to be involved in baseball in some capacity or was it sort of, I have this degree in my hand I have no clue what I'm going to do with it sort of thing. Yeah, I felt like uh, there were very few things that I was pretty good at. And um, and and coaching, I, you know, I didn't know if I was good at it or not, but I knew I liked it. And I think the big thing was uh, with a, as, as a lot of players, you know, you think, well, I'm going to be a big leaguer, right? Like that's the that's the goal and that's the dream. And then at some point, someone invites you to no longer play, right? And so you say, okay, well, now what do I do? And for me, the, the next best thing was to try to help somebody else achieve that goal. Um, and so that's really where, you know, that part kind of came into play. Um, as a grad assistant, I was able to sort of put, you know, my fingerprints on on the program. Um, coach Folick, who was the head coach at Wilkes University at the time, um, he was also a teacher. So he came to practice after school kind of late. So I was there. He said, do the practice plan, get things re ready and rolling. So I had really some good on the job training and, um, and and give him tons of credit for giving me the opportunity to really try it out. Um, but again, that shows you sort of like what's happening in Division Three is you have a part time head coach who's, you know, trying to juggle these two things. So um yeah, so it was it was kind of one of those situations where I, I got a chance to to learn on the job and really liked it. Uh, assumed it would be pretty easy to get a coaching job. It wasn't, um, so that's how I ended up in Texas and and finally had a resume. And then, sort of as a follow up to that, do you think having played has affected your coaching or sort of knowing the players' mentality, knowing what it was like to play D three? And this is also probably blending a little bit into how you're coaching right now. But sort of, do you think? playing has affected your coaching I, I do I I don't think you have to be a player to be a good coach I think we've seen it in especially a lot of different sports uh, but you know being able to understand 
the mentality, whether it's being on the mound or being in the batter's box. Um, there's just something it's hard to explain to someone who's never done it. And so I think having uh, those experiences and understanding what it's like to to be going through a slump or, you know, to to be on fire and know what that's kind of, you know, what that feels like. Um, I think that's that's really helpful. Um, and then, you know, some coaches, I think, try to, you know, when when I played, this happened. Um, and that's a little difficult as well, like because, you know, you're trying to relate something that happened 25 years ago and it's things have changed, people change. Um, and so the ability to adapt, I think, is really important um, as we're, you know, trying to kind of use the things that we've we've done before and that we've had experiences ourselves, uh, but also trying to tie that into what the guys are going through right now. And sort of about that, obviously, the game of baseball has changed so much over the past 10, 20 years. But would, would you say that with the whole let the kids play movement, right, with letting kids be loud, letting them show their like their passion for the game on the field, would you say that you've been more of a proponent of that? Or have there been times where you've had to tell your tell the guys to just t- take your step on? It's like step off the gas for a little bit. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, you're talking to a coach whose team, um, you know, dances between innings and, uh, and, and, and does all sorts of, uh, things that if my high school coach saw that happening, you know, would, would not be happy. Right. So like I, I come from Florida where it's baseball and it's serious and it's a certain way you play it. And then, you know, my team, um, you know, if they want their hair flowing out the back, like I'm cool with it. Um, because I'm jealous, like at mine, I can't do that. Um, and so I, I think that especially at a school like ours, very similar to Georgetown, um, high academics, high intensity and rigor in the classroom. This is an opportunity for our guys to have fun. And just like you guys, like, you know, that always looking at like, what's my next thing in my career? How do I get to that next step? And we want them to enjoy the now, right? Because, College lasts, it's a finite number of years. Um, And so we want them to enjoy their four years and be kids when they can. Um, And I want, I want baseball practice or games to be the best part of their day. And so I really encourage that. Obviously we would never do anything to disrespect our opponents, but we keep it, you know, within our, within our dugout, but our guys have uh, a lot of fun and uh, I'm here for it. So I think that sort of represented like a really good transition to sort of talking about that sophomore lifestyle of academics are really important at the school but at the same time baseball is just as important to you guys and it's sort of managing those two jobs at the same time being a really good student while also being a really good athlete as well what do you think sort of you've been now with the team I think you said 11 12 years so you've definitely seen it all in those 12 years what is the sophomore lifestyle like for people who might not know what that d3 grind is like uh, balancing both of those yeah, I mean, we have, you know, we have guys that are majoring in, uh, we have pre-med, engineering, computer science, um, econ's huge for us, poli-sci, I mean, you name it, our guys are doing it, and um, and they are just as intense uh, about their academics and focused on that as they are on baseball and, and improving in that uh, aspect of their lives, and the way we kind of describe it is, you know, when they're doing their academic piece, we want them to be all in on that. And then when they come down to the field, we want them to be all in on baseball. And that's for me, I think, you know, it it, it gives them a, a 
you know, a kind of a, a, a delineation between the two aspects of their lives. And they can sort of forget about that test that really kicked their butt um, and come down and, and really work on, uh, you know, baseball and getting better with their friends and their teammates. Um, and then if they go over four, well, they have to flip the switch and go back and they have to get back in the library after a, a, a bad game. And that kind of helps them sort of forget about that and go, go into that aspect. So, um, you know, they're extremely impressive young men that, that I get the opportunity to interact with every day. Um, and I just, I love seeing what they do. You know, we have a, a catcher from last year. This is just one of many, but our catcher from last year is at Harvard law. And I'm like, that's insane. Um, you know, so like, yeah, I just, I, I'm just counting the, counting the years until I have my own like personal lawyer that I can call and, uh, you know, if I get in trouble or whatever, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's just incredible to see what these guys do, uh, the focus in which they, you know, which they have uh, on, on baseball and on their academic, um, you know, the academic side of things is just incredible. And, and it is not an easy education to, uh, to, to navigate, but they do a great job with it. And they, uh, when they get out of here, uh, you know, most of them say that grad school is pretty easy compared to, to what they had to do at Swarthmore. Yeah, that sort of leads me into a question of, do you think this, and I think Dylan mentioned it, I think there's no real better way to say it, this grind of trying to manage both of these two very intense parts of your life, do you think that that helps with their mindset on the field, helps with their ability to bounce back because they they know that at the end of the day, baseball is a chance to get away from the rest of their life and they've got so many other things that they have to balance. So do you think that that makes it easier for them to at least at least try and put things into perspective and just have as much fun on the field as possible? I do. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, we lose and they're still going to be a CEO or a doctor or a lawyer. You know, I mean, it's like that's that's a pretty good uh, it's that's a pretty good uh, thing to to kind of uh, roll in roll into after you know a bad season or or you know bad game or whatever. Just knowing that that part is there. Um, but you know, the thing that we we talk about even in the recruiting process is that that you know you will have adversity and instead of running from the adversity, we want to, we want to go right into it. We want to lean into the adversity. If you come to Swarthmore, there will absolutely be adversity. And we want that because we want you to deal with your adversity here. And then we want you to conquer that adversity so that when you're out in the real world and things matter even more that you've done it before, you've had practice, you know, taking this adversity head on, you've conquered it, you've you've put it behind you, and you've been able to see that, hey, I can come out the other side. So that is a huge part for us as we uh, recruit, uh, you know, young men for our program is we want you to know, like, it will be difficult. We're not going to hide that from you. And so, um, you know, when you sign up for it, you're signing up for some difficult days at times, but the reward is at the, you know, at the end when you finish it and you say, look, there's nothing that's going to come at me in the rest of my life that will be tougher than the four years that I just, you know, I just went through and the things I just had to, had to conquer. So um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not, we're not afraid of it. And in fact, we, uh, we want it, bring, bring on the adversity. And then sort of, you did just mention that, I guess, buzzword for some of our listeners, the whole recruiting thing that I assume there's probably some listeners out there listening right now that all of a sudden they saw interview with head coach of Swarthmore and they said, Oh, I want to click on that and hear more about the program. So sort of for those high schoolers or college guys who might want to transfer or, high schoolers going through that whole recruiting process right now. 
I know we don't want to give all the way the tricks of the trade immediately or sort of let everyone know the inside process, but sort of what is as much as you could say or as much as you want to say, sort of any advice for those kids out there listening right now that are thinking, I want to spend the next four years at Swarthmore. How can that happen? What do I need to do? That sort of thing. Uh, take AP classes. That's the number one. <laughs> you know, the, the rigor um, in the classroom is absolutely where we start our process. So uh, if I have someone recommended to me or someone fills out a recruit questionnaire or something like that, I need their transcripts right away to even, you know, to see if if that's somebody we can move forward with. So we want to make sure that um, the the rigor uh, and the intensity of the of the academic piece is there. Uh, once that happens, then we can start to look into the baseball part. Um, and we talked about the adversity piece. We want people who are excited to be challenged, um, and you know it, that failure doesn't scare them because again, you're going to sit next to somebody in in your classes here that you're like, oh my goodness, like this like this guy's or this girl's 19 years old and they're, you know, they've, they've written a book and they've landed the space shuttle three times. And, and you just go, man, how do I, how do I keep up? So you have to be okay with, you know, maybe not being the best right away or being on top right away and having to work your way into it. So, um, I mean, the, the, the real short answer is we want great academic students who are really good people and have a great work ethic. And generally when we kind of stir those things up together, we come out with pretty good baseball players who, um, you know, will compete continuously and and give us a chance to win every day. So that sort of brings me into another question about, like, not only where does recruiting take up like time within your day, but what is what is a day in the life of uh, of the Swarthmore head coach? What does that look like just from waking up, getting to the field, and then talking to the guys eventually? Yeah. So fortunately for me, you know the guys have a, a tougher day than I do. You know, I, I, uh, I envy their ability to, to balance and to work, um, you know, as, as a, I'm also a dad, so, and a husband, so I've got responsibilities there. And then, um, you know, when I get to campus, uh, practice planning, making sure that uh, everything's ready to go for our practice that day, talking with our other coaches, making sure we're covering exactly what we need to cover in practice. Uh, right now we're, checking weather to make sure this weekend's gonna gonna go off and and what does that look like um, and then we you know have a, a, a great opportunity to go out and practice um, something that's probably different than a lot of places we rarely have all of our players at a practice uh, Fridays and Saturdays generally I can but because of labs and certain things um, our players have to find other other times and our coaches find other times to work with our players outside of the traditional practice times so we're juggling that uh, a lot, and that might be a reason that uh, a student athlete comes to play at Swarthmore versus maybe a Division One program. Maybe at those uh, some of those D one schools, it might be more difficult for them to major in a certain major based on you know the the time that will take or the the offerings of those courses during the day. Um, you know, it might be hard to be on a uh, you know a, a weekend trip starting on a Thursday when you've got a lab on a Thursday afternoon. Um, so that might be why, you know, some of our players uh, ended up looking at Swarthmore versus, you know, maybe a division one program. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of how our, our, my day goes through practice. Um, always have conversations with the guys, always talk with the guys, hopefully have a great practice and then, uh, it's home to make sure the kids are 
bed and in bed and, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. I love to hear. And sort of we have these two final tie it all together questions at the end for you, Coach. The first one we had, and there's sort of these like long lasting impression sort of advice type of questions. So the first is you mentioned your coaching journey, your coaching career, sort of knowing whether you wanted to be in coaching or not. So say there's someone who just graduated from college, they're in that same spot that you were in um, a couple of years ago, sort of, is there any advice maybe that you'd tell either this person or you'd tell that younger self when he was looking to enter coaching? Is there anything you sort of wish that you knew or wish that you knew was more important? That sort of thing. Uh, I'm glad I didn't know the odds of getting a job because I think that that might've sent me in another direction, but um, you know, I think, Everybody, everybody wants to be a head coach. Everybody wants to coach at a, a big time program. Uh, but really, if you do a good job where you are, you'll get other opportunities. Um, and I think the other thing is when I got into coaching, I didn't think I was you know, meeting other coaches like, hey, I'm trying to beat those guys. Why does it matter? Um, but there are only there are only a, a, a set number of people that understand what you're going through. And so. Um, whether you're a, a young assistant coach and become friends with other young assistant coaches or you're a head coach and you become friends with other head coaches, it's really hard to, you know, there's, there are so few people and, and not a lot of like, you know, you're, you have, you're a head coach, but you have assistant coaches and you have players, but there's no other head coach that you can talk to about what it's like to be a baseball head coach at your school. So Use that, use that baseball community, use the people around you, bounce ideas off of them um, and kind of, you know, share your struggles because uh, every institution has awesome things, you know, that, that are, are great about that institution um, and their athletic programs. And everybody has their challenges and their struggles, whether it's admissions or, um, you know, finances or facilities or whatever. We've all got our struggles that we have to go through. Um, so just having that understanding that, um, there maybe are other people out there that you can talk with. And then the other thing is when you're younger and you make friends with those young assistant coaches, those coaches get other jobs <laughs> and, and some of them might get head jobs before you. And then that's a connection that you might be able to have and uh, to help your career as well. So, uh, you know, I think it, just do it, doing it the best you can where you are, um, but also listening uh, to to the head coach and their wisdom um, and being loyal to the head coach where you are. And I think that's going to, that would take you a long way. And then sort of the final tie it all together question that we had, and you sort of began to mention that each school obviously has their perks and their own. This is what makes us unique. So for anyone who wants to know what makes Swarthmore unique, why Swarthmore, I know in your career, you were already in a head coaching position and then you decided to come back to Swarthmore where you were previously an assistant coach to sort of, What's attracted you to the school that now you've been there for over a decade of your career? And it seems like this is the place for you to stick. I love the academic opportunities for our students. I love coaching high academic student athletes um, because they are so motivated. They are so focused. And uh, frankly, they get, you know, they get my jokes. I feel like I have a pretty you know, pretty sophisticated sense of humor and they, they laugh sometimes uh, and they roll their eyes other times, but, um, but I, I, I see them as, you know, people to admire. And I think that's really cool uh, when you're coaching, you know, 20 year olds, but you admire uh, things about them 
And uh, I always tell them, you know, you guys are super smart, but you're not wise yet because wisdom comes with age. So I have a little bit of wisdom on you. I'm nowhere near as smart as, as you guys, but I have a little wisdom on you. And hopefully that can be something I can uh, can help you with. And, and that could be something I can draw on to give you guys advice as you as you move on. But uh, this is a, a great institution because it does challenge you in all aspects. And uh, I do think it helps us on the field when we're in tight situations or in uh, tough uh, game game situations that our guys are are prepared uh, and have have been through the difficulties, been through the adversity. And so they're ready to to come through when it counts. Well, thank you so much, Coach. Uh, this was just an incredible time talking to you, getting all the knowledge that you have to offer. And I'm going to steal a page from Dylan's playbook. With that, the side is retired.